This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I want you to be prepared to answer three questions within the next few minutes. You know who Mark Cuban is? This is not one of the questions, but uh, this is the rhetorical aspect of it. Mark Cuban is... Uh, Mark Cuban is who, Matt Blaze? Tell us. Owner of the Mavericks? Well, he sort of was. He is the outgoing owner of the Dallas Mavericks. That's what I think a lot of people know him as. And now he has agreed to sell a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks, the basketball team, to the family that runs the Las Vegas Sands Casino Company, the Adelson family. You remember Sheldon Adelson? He um, was a big donor, very involved in politics. His family is buying the Mavericks for, you ready for this? Three and a half billion dollars. So they've apparently come to an agreement in principle and uh, the league has to process this. And it's a really great deal for Cuban because he apparently gets to retain control of the basketball operations in this whole deal. Do you know what he bought the Mavericks for 20 years ago? A fraction of this. I think he bought it for about $200 million. So the the company controlled by Miriam Adelson, uh, the widow of Sheldon, they are... um, selling $2 billion of their shares in their casino company in order to buy the Mavericks. Cuban said about a year ago he was interested in partnering with Sands, and he's been a proponent of legalized gambling in Texas. But now this isn't the only move Mark Cuban is making, and this is what's leading us to question one. The 65-year-old Cuban also just announced that he's leaving the popular business TV program, Shark Tank, after a 16th season next year. He's leaving. So he's cashing out of the Mavericks. He's leaving Shark Tank, which is one of the biggest shows on network television. And this is sparking a lot of speculation. Is Mark Cuban running for president? That's question one. A question. Since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. He's certainly got the cash to self-finance a run. He's certainly got the name recognition. He's got a message that would have broad appeal. He's been very active in the philanthropic sector. And then the question becomes, how would he run? It's too late, but really, we're, it's too late to run as a Democrat or Republican because most of the key primary states have their primary deadlines either passed or rapidly approaching. So most people believe that he would look to run as some sort of independent or third-party candidate, maybe with this group No Labels, which we've covered extensively, which is, if you're not familiar with this, they're currently in the midst of trying to get on the ballot to qualify a mystery presidential ticket. We don't know who the ticket will be. And they're saying they're only doing this if Biden and Trump are the nominees. They have not disclosed their donors, and there's a lot of mystery all about them. 
but we know they're well-funded, well-organized, and they're trying to get on the ballot all over the country. They made some news yesterday. This bipartisan group that's plotting this third-party presidential bid, they have pulled the plug on their Dallas convention next spring. And they are instead going to conduct their selection process virtually. Now, on the one hand, I'm happy about this because I was not looking forward to going to Dallas if I can even find a way to participate in it. They haven't made clear what the criteria are for who gets to vote in this. I mean, I'm I, I'm signed up as a no-labels person. I'd love to participate in choosing their nominee. Um, but I hate all this virtual stuff. I am for in-person And real meetings, none of this Zoom meetings. So the group has not made a final decision on whether to launch a third-party challenge. But canceling this Dallas convention, it's very interesting that we're talking about Dallas because that's the team that Mark Cuban still owns, and that's really near where he lives. Canceling this Dallas convention gives no labels a little bit more flexibility and more time. To make that determination. It's also going to allow more candidates to potentially emerge and challenge the status quo. No Label's goal, they say, has always been to get on the ballot and select a unity ticket that can outright win in the Electoral College. They say they have no intention of spoiling anything, and every step that they take is with that in mind. Their previous plan was to use the period between Super Tuesday on March 5th and the Dallas convention that had been set for April 14th and 15th to listen to supporters and make a final decision on whether to launch a third-party ticket. If a decision had been reached to move forward, the goal was to use the convention to select a ticket, one Republican and one Democrat, and then slingshot them into the presidential contest with a whole lot of fanfare and free media. So they've canceled this convention. And in spite of the fact that they've canceled the in-person convention, they claim, the organizers claim, they're still moving forward with gaining ballot access and claim no labels will be viable in 27 states by the end of the year. Wondering if you think there's anything to that. The fact that they canceled their convention, which was going to be in Dallas, do you think that's in any way tied to Mark Cuban? Additionally, If you were somebody that was looking forward to maybe participating and helping them choose their candidate, how do you feel about them canceling their convention? That's question two. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. And finally, um, that leads me to an article that, uh, or an op-ed piece that was in the New York Times yesterday. I guess maybe it'll be in the print edition today by uh, Thomas uh, Edsel, uh, who writes a weekly column on politics for the New York Times. And basically, the headline of the piece says it all. It's pretty exhaustive. I'm not going to read you uh, the whole thing. But the question that the headline asks is... Has no labels become a stalking horse for Trump? And it it describes no labels, this Washington-based organization run by political and corporate insiders. They find themselves in a very awkward situation. After they were founded, the group was praised by moderates in both parties as a force for cooperation and consensus. But now, no labels is a target of criticism because of its plan 
to place a presidential ticket on the ballot. And it's a step that people are worried would tip the outcome in favor of Trump if he wins the Republican nomination. No Labels contends their polling suggests their ticket could win. But there are a lot of factors exacerbating the suspicion that whatever its intentions are or were, the organization has functionally become an asset to the Trump campaign and a threat to the reelection of Joe Biden. There have been leaks to the media that prominent Republican donors, including Harlan Crow, are contributing to no labels, which is now on its way to raising $70 million. And that suggests that some major donors to no labels are um, seeing the organization as a means to promote Republican goals. No labels has declined to disclose its donors. And that secrecy has intensified the concern that some of its contributors are using the organization to run a third-party candidate to weaken the Biden campaign. So um, they say this is not true. But the New York Times column by Thomas Edsel, they point to the fact that during the Trump presidency, Mark Penn, who's the the husband of the chief executive at No Labels, Nancy Jacobson publicly voiced support for several Trump policies on a lot of issues and in newspaper columns and in appearances on Fox News. So that leads us to question three. The Democrats and the never Trump Republicans, they're terrified that no labels will result in the election of Donald Trump, that the reason they're going forward with this is to elect Trump. Now, That's the third question. Is no labels, or here's how I'll phrase it, has no labels become a stalking horse for Donald Trump? A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. So I want to hear your views on those three questions. One Do you think the combined decisions of Mark Cuban to sell his basketball team and get some cash and his decision to leave one of the most successful network television shows is tied to a decision that he's pondering to run for president? Maybe he's decided, maybe he's leaning in that way. Two, what do you think of No Label's decision to cancel their convention? And three, is No Label's a stalking horse for Trump? Weigh in on anything you like. You're also welcome to comment on uh, anything we covered last hour. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Walter in Yonkers. Hi, Walter. Uh, good morning. The only thing I know about Edsel was a catastrophe for Ford back in the late 50s. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of points uh, about Kissinger, but first about Constantinople. By 1453, uh, the Byzantine Empire was like the German Empire in 1945 or April 45, Berlin and Berlin only. Most of it had already fallen. But by the time the empire did fall, the nation states in Western Europe, which had succeeded the uh, the original Western Roman Empire, had been able to uh, establish themselves and to fight back further attempts by Islam to conquer witness uh, the Battle right. of Lepanto, Fort, uh, 1571, right. and okay. Vienna so later. We know that. So where, where we go oh, from Oh, here. most people know that? Cool. Okay, Kissinger. Uh, my boss, my boss's boss back early 90s had worked for Kissinger at the National Security Council, 
when he was Secretary of State. And his comment about America, you Americans, you always think that problems can be solved in half an hour, like in a, like a, in a comedy program on television. The world is too more complex than that. Thank you, Walter. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Manhattan. Hi, Robert. Good morning, Frank. Uh, your uh, interview with Spencer is fascinating. I hope you have him back again. By yes, the way, definitely will. look up an author named Harry Turtledove. He's an author of alternate history. Look for a book called Agent of Byzantium. That's all I'll say. You'll love it. Thank now, you. Let me get to Kissinger. Sure. Yeah, Harry Turtledove, Agent of Byzantium. Okay, let me... Uh, I missed the beginning of your uh, Kissinger critique. Did you mention Chile in 1972? Yes. Okay. Two other things. 1975, during the Ford administration, Turkey invades Cyprus and sets up that phony northern whatever it was uh, thing uh, supposedly to keep uh, Cyprus from joining, uh, joining Greece. We did nothing about it. Kissinger nodded his head, said, so be it. But his most egregious thing that he did, you know, Pakistan at one time consisted of West Pakistan and East Pakistan. Right, I mentioned Divided I mentioned by that. India. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in 72, the people of East Pakistan wanted to become independent and would form eventually Bangladesh. We were supporting Pakistan under Yahya Khan, giving them lots of weapons. And guess what he did with the weapons? His he army murdered invaded. all, all the, the folks in what was West Pakistan. That's right. Yeah, and I said that. Hundreds of thousands of women were killed and raped. They, their families couldn't take them back. But Kissinger once said, "We can't trust democratic India. We align ourselves with autogra- or, 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 autocrats, know, dictatorial right. Pakistan." Yeah. So yeah. you know, again, Kissinger has a lot to answer for. Agreed. Uh, completely agree. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. David is in the boogie down Bronx. Hello, David. Yes, good morning. Um, On the issue of no labels, okay, I've always thought this was a scam from the beginning, and I'll tell you why. First of all, you don't raise 70 with a goal of $80 million and then say, well, we might or we might not. Nobody donates money to something that they don't think they're going to get something out of, okay? And a lot of these donors are Republican Trump supporters. The other thing is they keep saying that they're doing polling, saying that they could win. Who are they polling? Who are they putting forth as a candidate when they're doing this poll? Right. Well, that's how can you? Yeah, and, and that's I mean, a good point. Yeah. How can you have polls with no names on them and then say you have a chance of winning and you're not even on the ballot in all the states? And the last thing is you've had on um, the former uh, senator from Connecticut, right, Lieberman, mm-hmm. who basically put you off and you didn't catch it, but I did. He said that the reason they're not disclosing their donors is that they're a nonprofit and they will disclose after they announce a candidate. The only problem with that is that doesn't mean that they will announce their donors up until that date. They can still keep those donors secret. I think it's a scam. I think it's to help Trump. And Joe Lieberman, who used to be a Democrat, should be ashamed of himself. You know, that's uh, thanks, David. You know, I was going to mention Lieberman. In, in answering question three to you, and if you want to comment um, on what we're talking about and no labels, I'd love to hear from you. Or Mark Cuban, 800-848-9222, three open lines, 800-848-9222. I don't agree with Joe Lieberman on foreign policy. I, I think in many respects he's just kind of the sort of neocon that has gotten us involved in Iraq and a, a lot of other foreign interventions that we had no business being in. 
However, I have an enormous amount of respect for Joe Lieberman. I think Joe Lieberman is a man of integrity. And based on everyone that I've ever talked to that's worked with him in politics or in government, they all say the same thing about him, that he is a man of unquestionable character and a man who his word really means something. I cannot believe for the life of me that Joe Lieberman, even with my disagreements with him, would ever go along with something that's a scheme to get Trump elected. I don't believe it. I just, I don't believe that he could be that overtly dishonest. Now, that doesn't mean the effect of no labels running a candidate won't be to help Trump. It may be. I just don't believe that Lieberman would himself uh, lie and be that overtly dishonest about what his intentions are and about what the intentions of no labels are. Same thing with Admiral Dennis Blair. I think these are people, those two, I can't speak to Mark Penn or Nancy Jacobson or any of these other people, but those two people, Dennis Blair and Joe Lieberman, both of whom have been on this program, they're people that even with my disagreements with them, I really respect them, and they come across to me as honest and forthright, and I can't believe they would ever be part of a scheme to fool people into electing Donald Trump. I don't believe that, which is why I don't think... Look, no labels could do away with a lot of the suspicion here and voluntarily disclose their donors. The fact that they're not doing that, it is very suspicious. I recognize maybe a lot of people are contributing to them, with the understanding that their contributions won't be disclosed, it's it looks shady. It does look shady. I don't so I don't know what they're up to, but I am eager to see what happens. I also think this decision to cancel their in person convention is a little suspicious. It does give them more flexibility, but I don't know. Tell me what you think. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Rocco's in Saratoga. Hi, Rocco. Good morning, Frank. First off, of course, we pray for the hostages coming back. And after that, their ordeal pass over them. It'll be a difficult return, I realize. Israel forever. America forever. And don't 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 let the world forget that we'll always hear and always will be for truth, justice and the American way. Take it any way you like it, world. We're here. We'll always be here. And Israel, too. Okay, Frank. Hey, Angelo is one of the smartest kids there has to be anywhere. I can't believe he does all he does at his age. He's definitely an exceptionally bright child, Frank. Whether you like to admit it or not, you don't realize it because you're in with him every day. But he's a very smart kid let me just let you know that i appreciate Um, that thanks rocco yeah absolutely mark cuban by the way 285 million is what he paid for the mavs in 2000 okay i'm a big sports fan you know my uncle was cussed the legendary boxing trainer customato so uh i follow sports iron mike tyson is my cousin not through blood but he adopted mike so Mike is my cousin. Right. Uh, okay. Rocco, you don't have to say that every time you call. I mean, we hey, know. why not? Because we why know it. Not, I mean, it's, it's boring, honestly. It's repetitive. No. And you know what I don't understand about Rocco? And Rocco's a nice guy. But what I don't understand is, so we have a lower number of phone lines now. 
And I always ask, um, you know, I ask uh, whoever's screening to open up a phone line, and yet Rocco remains. And I'm trying to think, how bad must the other callers that lost in the telephone face-off to Rocco, how bad must they have been for Rocco to get selected to stay on the line? Um, we get it. Mike Tyson, Custom Auto, we get it. Thank you. We get it. Eight hundred. I mean... I never thought I'd long for the days of uh, wishing Chris from the Catskills would call in to tell me that he was a former elected official. Or uh, or John from Brooklyn to tell me that he went to Brown. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. Hi, Robert. Hi, good morning, Frank. Good morning. I, look, I, I, to answer your three questions, all three, I believe, are anecdotal, speculative, and unsupported by any facts or evidence. All right. Well, I mean, we know they canceled the convention, and we know that Mark Cuban sold the the Mavericks. I mean, that's those are facts. Robert, he has shown no intention of running at all, or for any office. So, all right. Well, I appreciate you settling that. Thank you, thank you, there, Robert. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Frank is in Highland. Hello, Frank. Yeah, hi, Frank. Um, you know they're running a strange program, um, y'all. Uh, who says that? Who, who's that voice? Uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, you know, I just, I just love that. Um, uh, as far as um, the president, uh, uh, March of uh, 2025, um, an independent is going to come out, and um, uh, no labels uh, is is not going to be trusted by. But Frank, the, the, the election all. is in 2024, so if an independent comes out in March, no, no of- I'm sorry, March of 2024. I see. Okay, got it. They will come out. I'm sorry, and. Uh, um, uh, Biden uh, won't be the president, um, or, or he won't have the power. I'm not saying that uh, uh, he'll die, but he won't uh, be able to um, lead, um, uh, uh, and Kamala will take over before the end of his, you know, she will be handing over uh, the presidency uh, if she doesn't become the president herself. Interesting. Thank you, Frank. I'm actually going to raise that with uh, Brian Kilmeade, who's going to join us in our last hour, because one of the things that I find very interesting is tomorrow there's this big debate on the Fox News channel tomorrow night. Uh, no, tonight, excuse me, Thursday night, between uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, Brian Kilmeade, between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. Now, this is elevating Newsom to a whole nother level of having a national profile. This essentially makes him the face of the future Democratic Party. Now, if you're Kamala Harris, I would think you're flipping out over this. You don't want someone else to be viewed as the face of the future Democratic Party. You view yourself as that person, if you're not running in uh, 2024, then I imagine you have designs on running in 2028. It doesn't help you if somebody's talking about Newsom from your home state as the next Democratic president. So I would think she's probably the person more irked at that than anybody. But I'll ask um, Brian Kilmeade if he shares my my view on that. Martin is on Staten Island. Hi, Martin. 
Hi, Frank. Thank you so much. I love your show. Thanks. Um, I just can't get home. I'm staying in my car just to listen to your show. Wonderful. We um, love that. I want... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's interesting that you asked the question about Mark Cuban because I was thinking about it the last day to myself, and I'm wondering, it's just a theory, uh, it's not that I think that's the reason, but I'm wondering if he was surprised from how many anti-Semitic uh, protests there was, and he's planning to move to Israel. Uh, what makes you think that? Because he voiced several times uh, his shock and his surprise about people... Is voicing uh, pro Hamas uh, stuff, and um, and all of a sudden he's starting to sell off his business, and he's leaving. Um, uh, how's it called? That show. Shark Tank, right? So, yeah. So it's not that I really think that. I'm just like questioning. Like, is something there? Is did he make did this October seven made did something to him? Well, I mean, first of all, if he ends up moving to Israel now, we're going to um, have you as our resident psychic because that's a pretty on-the-money accurate prediction, specific accurate prediction if it comes to pass. I don't know. I have no doubt that he was uh, disappointed in the anti-Semitism and just disgusted at the October 7th attacks. I'm not sure I I see the leap in him moving to Israel unless you have, you know, some inside information that you're not necessarily sharing with us. No, it's, I know it's far-fetched. I'm just trying to make sense out of it. So that's my closest thing I was able to think about. Well, that's, but I, know, uh, I know it's not. That's interesting. That was, like I said, uh, Martin, if, uh, if he ends up moving to Israel now, we're going to have you set up a 900 number that we can call for, uh, for predictions because that's pretty, pretty specific. Okay, remember me, and uh, you're going to have me on the show again then. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. If uh, Mark Cuban announces he's moving to Israel, save Martin's number because we have to uh, call him back. That's something. That's really specific. Ada, what, what do you make of that prediction, the moving to Israel prediction? That's pretty specific. I don't know. You, you never know, Frank. That you don't. That you don't. 800-848-9222. Speaking of never knowing, have you ever wondered if it's possible to communicate with the dead? I have. I wonder about it a great deal. Well, we're going to have on the program uh, Barbara Bendel. She is an internationally renowned psychic and medium. She's come out with this new book all about her most memorable readings and personal stories. Is there anything to it? Can you actually speak with the dead? We'll find out straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Excellent musical uh, selection here, Matt Plays. Obviously, this song um, 
was featured prominently in the movie Ghost. Obviously, it was a big hit before that, but it's part of a pretty pivotal scene in Ghost. And if you haven't seen Ghost, Whoopi Goldberg's character, who was actually a question on Celebrity Jeopardy yesterday, very interesting, but uh, we'll talk more about that later, perhaps. Whoopi Goldberg's character is a medium and a psychic who, at the beginning of the film, she thinks that she is conning people. She doesn't really believe that she has a gift to speak with dead people. As the movie unfolds, turns out that Patrick Swayze, very handsome ghost, is actually speaking with her. So she thought she was a con artist, or and then she came to find out she's the real deal. And whenever I discuss mediums, that seems to be the question that people have. I deal with or I encounter people that are of two minds, one of uh, one of two minds. Either they're convinced that they're all charlatans, they're all frauds, uh, or they believe that every single person purporting to be a medium is actually capable of speaking with the dead. I am someone that is somewhere in between. I think some of them are charlatans, but I have come across far too many instances of people being able to share information, conversation that they shouldn't be able to know. And I am quite eager to chat with uh, Barbara Bandel. She is not only an internationally renowned psychic and a medium, but she's the author of the new book, My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories, Joining us now, I believe, from the Netherlands. Hello there, Barbara. Good morning, Frank. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you joining me on the radio. What time is it over there? It's uh, 8.37. Ah, that's a much more civilized time than the middle of the night that it is uh, over here in New York. So I I appreciate uh, you starting your morning with us. So, Barbara, let me begin with uh, the idea of... Uh, the skepticism that some people have. Many people don't believe that you can be a psychic Mm -hmm. or a medium. How do you make a believer out of a skeptic? Is that possible? Um, Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I I feel that you always have to let the psychic talk. When when a psychic starts to ask you questions, um, that's not the way to go. So let the psychic talk and then decide whether... Um, they are true or not but they have to come up with real evidence things they really cannot know so obviously if you pay someone for a reading and they uh they say to you i get the sense that you know someone who died and that someone may have had an a in their name that's probably an indication that uh maybe they're not the real deal what are the sort of things that a that a medium or a psychic might tell someone which would convince that person that they are the real deal um, names um, from their grandparents or their parents who are diseased, uh, things that happened in their past that are so um, specific, and the person they are, their their character, and not things like oh you think a lot and you're also very emotional or it's like not not the the, the vague things but really specific things. Tell us about um, 
how and when you first found out that you had psychic abilities. It was a pretty scary incident in your childhood that led you to that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. uh, When I was young, I thought everyone uh, could see and hear things and see deceased people. And then um, my friend and I, we um, were lured, a a guy tried to lure us in his car when we were seven. And so we had to go to the police station and we had to describe uh, the man. And my friend and I were in different rooms at the police station. And at the end, the police officer said, can you look at a couple of photos to see if you can recognize the man? And I had no idea that when I focus and look at a photo, I get all sorts of information. So I could sense the evilness because these were all uh, child molesters. Um, I could hear children scream. I saw where they lived. And that really scared me so much. I got a panic attack right then and there. And then I wanted to go home and the police officers, yeah, please go home. And I asked my friend, did you see the same things? with the photos and she looked at me she said no what are you talking about and that's i when i thought i was crazy in saying there was something wrong with me so i never told anyone what i saw and and what i heard and felt can anyone speak to the dead or is it only certain types of people is it something you're born with or is it a skill that you can hone i guess is my question no, everyone's born. We're all born with um, these skills. Um, so you can learn. If you, if you practice a lot, you can definitely learn. Tell, explain to folks, if you can, the difference between a psychic and a medium. Is everyone who's a medium also a psychic? Can you be one without the other? Well, the, a psychic is more um, that you can see things you can feel things you can hear things and the medium is really someone who can connect with diseased people so a medium is always a psychic but a psychic isn't always a medium understood it's a lot like uh certified male and registered male i get i get that that makes sense uh yeah. there there are a lot of folks that turn to psychic mediums during the holiday season because a lot of folks tend to think about loved ones, people they've lost that they wish they were spending Thanksgiving or Christmas with that are no longer around. Uh, Is that a trend that you're seeing, that people are almost uh, turning to psychic mediums as a sort of therapist during the holiday season? Uh, Absolutely. Um, There's a lot of loneliness during uh, the season. And people also want to know what the new year will bring for them. Tell me about an experience uh, that you had during surgery. Uh, It would strike me as the very definition of an out-of-body experience. Yes, it was. Um, When I had surgery, I left my body, and I could feel my body was lying um, underneath me, and I was going really fast. I was going somewhere. And I wasn't scared. I felt like, uh, oh, I'm still me. I still have the same thoughts. And then I felt I was moving towards somewhere and suddenly I was in in a small room and I looked around and there was no one in the room. And the next second, um, there was uh, two women standing in front of me and 
they were the mother and grandmother of the nurse who held my hand when I fell uh, fall asleep, fell asleep. And I had to give the nurse information from her mother and her grandmother. And we didn't talk, we just, um, through telepathy, we spoke to each other. And it was, I never had that again. And it was really amazing because I could feel where the women came from, uh, uh, where I was coming from. And that energy was so completely different, me coming from Earth and they coming from the other side. It was um, beautiful, but also a bit scary. I can imagine. I, I can certainly imagine. Uh, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Barbara Bondell. She is uh, an internationally renowned psychic medium and the author of the book, My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories. What have been uh, some of your most memorable readings? Give us one or two highlights that you focus on in the book. Well, um, first of all, the, the, the firefighter <clears throat> who died during 9-11. Um, he visited me for, for many years. Uh, at first, he didn't say anything to me. Then after uh, many months, he started to talk to me. He gave me his first name information about his children, about his wife. I wrote everything down. I thought his wife was coming to my office for a reading, um, but that wasn't the case. And he told me if I could go look for her and give her all the information. And that was very emotional for me because I was really scared that she wouldn't believe me because it's people are skeptic. I'm really aware of that. So maybe she thought I was a lunatic from the Netherlands, but she was very open to it, thank God. And I found her through Facebook. So that was something that will um, I will remember this for the rest of my life. And the other thing was a man who, um, he was diseased and his daughter came for a reading and he was uh, a doctor. And when he learned to be a doctor when in his younger years, he had to assist during a surgery and his mentor made a mistake and the woman on the operation table died because of the mentor's mistake. Wow. And the young doctor didn't say anything. He, he didn't dare to say anything like you made a mistake. So he felt guilty for the rest of his life that this young woman died and he didn't say. So when he passed away, when he was old, um, rather quickly, he met with this woman who died on the operation table. That's what he told me. And she said, um, it wasn't <clears throat> meant to be that you saved me. It was my time to go. And this man was so relieved and his daughter started to cry. And she said, you know what, Barbara? She said, my father on his deathbed, he asked for a priest because of his feelings of guilt towards this woman. And he thought he was going to hell for that. So I think that's amazing too. Absolutely. And I'm really, yeah. Do these people find you? And do you have any idea why these folks that have passed on select you? I think I match their energy. I think that there is a connection that they know, okay, I can... Uh, communicate with her 
And if not, they, they will find another psychic. Understood. So is it possible, can you pick anyone that's deceased to speak to? For instance, obviously, it's uh, gotten a lot of attention in the last day that Henry Kissinger has passed away. If you wanted to, yeah. could you speak with Henry Kissinger? Or do you have to kind of wait for someone to reach out to you? How does the uh, kind of the process of making a match with someone that's deceased work? Well, I, I have my team of spirit guides and they are my filter. Um, so if I can't make contact with someone, I always have my spirit guides and they can make contact with that person. So it's always possible to have contact, but not always a one-on-one. -on -one. Is there anything that, um, that you can tell people that might enhance their relationships with people that are alive, people that are having uh, marital difficulties or family difficulties or difficulties in the workplace? Is there anything that you can tell them? Uh, obviously, I'm sure it's uh, unique to each individual situation, but is there anything mm -hmm. that you can tell them that may help them in dealing with the living? Uh, well, it's very, very, very important that you always listen to what your gut feeling is telling you. Uh, a lot of people are disconnected from, from their intuition. Um, but if you start to reconnect again, because you always get the answers, all the answers are within us. So I would say that's the most important thing. We're talking with Barbara Bandel. Her book is uh, My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about her, you can also uh, check out her website, which is barbarathemedium.com. That's barbarathemedium.com. Hey, uh, Barbara, maybe this is a, a bit of an unfair uh, thing to do to kind of put you on the spot, but is there anything that you might be able to tell me about uh, my own life or anybody in my life? Life that's passed on that uh, would have some sort of special resonance with me? Well, I feel that you're going to um, completely change your work life within now um, and three to four years when you're around 61, 60. Um, in a good way, you're going to change your work life in a good way. Also, if you, it's none of my business, but if you want to have more children, you can. And um, there's the name George for you. And I feel this is from your father's side. And it's a couple of generations uh, back. Um, you're going to do more with children. It's like you're going to set up a fund and I don't know what you're going to do with children specifically, but it's about helping them and you want to expand that. Also about school teaching, because the, the school system is, um, well, a bit wobbly, uh, to say the least. So you want to do things like that. You want to work more from home. Um, I see an extension in your house where you have a bigger office, but your, your partner as well. She's going to work more from home as well. And uh, it's going to be really busy, but you like that. And I, sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead, please. Well, I also feel that um, you have to watch out a little bit for one of your knees. Um, swimming would be really good for you. So maybe you can 
build a swimming pool indoors <laughs> somewhere in your house. Um, and yeah, I definitely see more children for you. Well, that's uh, that's encouraging. I, I wouldn't mind a couple more if uh, if that's possible. You know, Barbara, I, I know one of the things that you've focused on is helping people with meditation. I often mm-hmm. find uh, that when people discuss meditation, whether it's to relax or to gain a greater sense of focus, that they may not necessarily even know how to meditate. Do you have any yeah. tips that you can share with the audience about about how to begin the meditation process? It's uh, always starting with, with breathing um, to make you relax. But when people have difficulty meditating, you can also just focus. When you look outside and you see a cloud, focus on the cloud, and that will bring you in a meditative status as well. Or when you listen to your favorite song. I love the song you played at the beginning, by the way, by... Um, I don't know who who sings that song because listening to good music will will also bring you in that um, state of meditation. Yeah, it was the uh, Righteous Brothers, by the way. Barbara, let me end with this. Uh, My wife and I, we both lost two cats recently. She was very close with with them because, you know, she had them long before I was in the picture. And, you know, honestly, she's just devastated. Do pets also maintain a relationship with their people after they pass on? Or is that something that's uniquely human? No, uh, I often feel the pets still around. And the two cats, oh, they're so completely different. And I have to say that they made their transition very quietly and, and they're safe. Um, but they're still around in the house. And I can hear a bell, like something you, that they uh, were playing with, like a toy that made a noise, like a ringing of a bell. Um, I can still hear that in the house. And so there they are around. But there's a new one, or am I in the future? Because yeah. I do... Yeah, I think so. Well, we still have one, and then uh, we're oh, talking yeah. about getting uh, another one as well. Hey, Barbara, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I, uh, Me hope, too. I hope we can do it again soon. I hope people check out your book. It's called My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories. Its author is Barbara Bandel. Thank you, Barbara. You're very welcome. Thank you, Frank. Have a lovely day. Likewise. uh, Likewise. Send us a postcard from the Netherlands. All right. uh, This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Can't help it if I wonder. Wonder what she's doing. Can't help it if I wonder what she's doing. Tamerlanes, I wonder what she's doing tonight. Uh, Matt Blaze, was this one of my picks or one of yours? This was one of yours. One of yours. One of mine. What did I, what did I want to play this for? See, now I can't remember. I should have asked uh, Barbara Bendel. She might have had a, uh, 
a better idea. 800-848-9222. All right, let me squeeze in a couple of calls here because I've been negligent on the phone calls. Original Rick is in Jersey. Hi, Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, Your caller, Barbara, she validated the story I told uh, Rachel about our family dog who passed away and was seen, uh, you know, Sleeping next to my father. Do you remember that? I do. I thought that was interesting. That was actually one of the things that was in my head when I asked the question. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, listen, you would know. There used to be a psychic. I think his name was John Edwards, maybe. Some Edwards. He spoke to the dead. He was very popular on TV. Do you remember this guy? Yeah. Well, uh, John Edwards was a senator. The one you're thinking of was John Edward. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Everybody uh, makes that mistake. He he uh, he just like dropped off the face of the earth after being like so popular. And I'm just wondering what happens. Is that a sign that they're not real and that you only can get away with it for a certain amount of time? Or I mean, you know, look at Kreskin was around for a while, and Amazing Randy, and and even the great Valentine was around. I mean, how do these guys that are so famous just drop off the face of the earth? Well, I, I don't think John Edward has dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, if you go to his website, um, he's still. You know, he's still active and, you oh, know, he is. Oh, oh yeah. No, 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 absolutely. That's why he's, I call you, Frank. You're up on things. Well, I, I, you're, you're, no. He's not everywhere like he was in the early 2000s when he, you know, was, it seemed ubiquitous, but he, um, he's definitely still out there. Thanks, Rick. Uh, as far as the others, I don't know. All right. A lot to get to. You know, yesterday was a big TV night. A lot, you know, I'll give you some highlights of my TV. A fascinating day on the UFO front yesterday as well. I'll tell you why. Until next hour, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.